It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The year is 2005. Brian Scalabrini becomes a Celtic. That's fun. The Boston Celtics take part in the biggest trade of all time. And a little website called RedsArmy.com is born. It's the Wednesday Locked On Celtics. Millie, let's go. back with the vengeance. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy, most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's is the best way. Melly. John Corrales here of MassLive.com saying once again, thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. Really do love that you're sticking with this show throughout all of this. There's a lot that's going on out there. Uh, Your lives have been disrupted and you're still listening to this podcast, which is amazing to me. So thank you. Uh, Really am thrilled to continue to bring you these deep dives. Today we're getting into the 2005-2006 season and this entire podcast is going to be basically before 2005, 2006. It's, it's wild because so much happens. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. You're going to get five bucks off each box of Built Bars that you buy. It's the most delicious protein bar on the market. You're going to get $10 off with the promo code locked on. So go get that $10 off your first order and get five bucks off each box all week long using the promo code locked on. So as I said, we're, I just want to dive right into it. Chuck McKinney, Mike Dynan, RedsArmy.com. Join me again to start this discussion. We're going to start with Brian Scalabrini. And I focus a lot of time on Scal, not because he's an important part of any sort of success that the Celtics have had, but we love Scal. Scal is like this big figure now in Boston Celtics history. And we watch him now and most people love him. And if you love Scal, maybe you don't know the backstory. He has an interesting story back in 2005. So we focus a lot on that to start. Back here with Chuck and Mike from Red's Army. Chuck McKenney at Red's Army underscore Chuck. Mike is Mike Dynan at Mike Dynan, both on Twitter. Both fine, upstanding gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Always a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, all good. So when we last finished speaking, we were at 2005. Paul Pierce was doing his stupid meltdown after the Indiana Pacers with that gauze around his face, the most ridiculous thing. Uh, But we have determined now, as we pick up the story, that Pierce and Doc have had their come to Jesus. Pierce has decided that he wants to commit to the Celtics. He wants this Celtics team to be built around him. He wants to win a a title in Boston. So 2005, Danny Ainge gets to work on that. Uh, First off, I forget what order this goes in, but uh, really two, two monumental things happened in August of 2005. Uh, First of all, I'll just start with this August 2nd, 2005. He signs Brian Scalabrini as a free agent. Whoa. It's a, it's a big deal. 
and but like this is really a big deal because it's it's like a five year fifteen million dollar contract for Brian Scalabrini. I want to make sure I, I bring this up kind of facetiously, guys, but we really kind of need to go through the history of Brian Scalabrini a little bit because to a lot of fans, Scal is just Scal. Scal is a celebrity. You walk around with Brian Scalabrini now around the garden. Everybody wants a piece of Scal. But in 2005, when he was signed as a free agent and he was given five years, $15 million, there was a whole lot of what going on. And he was getting booed because the the whole point of signing Brian Scalabrini back then was he was supposed to help. He was, he had benefited maybe more than anybody. He probably owes Jason Kidd about half that $15 million at least for, for making him look good enough for Danny Ainge to go like, Hey, maybe this guy could help us. I thought exactly the same thing when he signed Jason Kidd made him and got him the big money. And little did we know at the time that Scal would become a folk hero like he has. Yeah, you know, I completely, I completely erased this from my memory. This whole <laughs> five-year contract, three million. I mean, talk about uh, just a disgusting overpay. Um, I mean, we we can celebrate Scal for who he is and what he's become, but this salary and this contract at this time. In the franchise, it doesn't make any sense. It it it, 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 it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I mean, three million at at that time is not a lot of money. But when you just look at who Scal was, the money he was making, I mean, that this is like triple. This was three times his existing salary, and I don't think if you look at his numbers, I know you're talking about Jason Kidd making him, but I don't. It's not like he had any sort of breakout season. When you look at the numbers he was he was putting up, so um, I'm a little perplexed as to what what Ainge was thinking. Um, if I recall that's... correctly, he had some some big moments in the playoffs where uh, there. I'm, I'm just looking at his game log, and I recall that. So we had that series. The 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 uh, Nets got swept. In 2005, but he came in uh, and hit a bunch of threes in in one in one of those games. And I want to say that in another playoffs, he had like he he came in and, and stepped up a, or, or or hit a bunch of threes or something. Uh, let's see. Ah, here it is. 2004. They they ended up losing to Detroit, but he he had a like a big 17 point game where it was 4-4 four, four from 3. Like Scal would have these occasional like big bursts from 3 with just getting spotting up when Jason Kidd drove. They didn't happen very often and no, they did not. No. But, <laughs> but I think when when Danny Ainge saw him he was like, "Here's a forward who can hit threes." Like as Ainge is kind of looking ahead and thinking like big guys who space he probably thought that Scal at the time could have developed into more of a guy that could space the floor, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think what Chuck is saying, though, is Scal, as you just said, John, had maybe a, a couple of good outings, right? 
Yes. And then somehow out of that, he's set for life. Yeah. Right. And and when does that ever happen? How do you get that deal? I mean, nothing. Uh, not I love Scal. No axe to grind at all. But uh, no. yeah, it was another decision, as you could make the case, another decision that you have to scratch your head. Here's here's the Celtic salaries in 2005, 2006. Pierce is making just about 14 million. Rafe LaFrance is making 10 and a half. Ricky Davis is making about six. Mark Blunt's making five and a half. Vin Baker, 5.3. And then Scal at just about 2.6. Then behind him is Dan Dickow, Curtis Borchardt, who I forgot. Uh, Marcus Banks, Al Jefferson, Gerald Green. These are rookies now that are, are making money. Uh, so Scal is the sixth highest paid player on the team. Uh, but it's just embarrassing. Right. But I mean, again, this team, this 2005, 2016 is bad. And it's, it's not even really worth discussing much of the season because again, the names that I just rattled off, Pierce, LaFrance, Ricky Davis, Mark Blunt, Vin Baker, Scal, Dan Dickow. I mean, this is just a mess of a team, but that's, you know, Scal, kind of worked his way in and again though scal when he got to boston was seen as a guy like like i said he could people were wondering why he got so much money the salary cap back then 49 and a half million dollars so two and a half million dollars is five percent of the cap like it's it's not nothing it's not like it's a throwaway it's it's not like a veteran minimum it's back then a a decent amount of money and in his numbers, uh, as we can tell, are <laughs> not great. When he first got to Boston, he, uh, let's see, 2.9 points per game after signing that deal, uh, shot 35.5% from three, but only took like <sighs> one, not even like 1.2 point, uh, uh, threes per game. He only played 13 minutes a game. So it was very obvious back then that it was like, oops. This this was I mean, a mistake. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And it was only it's only further cemented when you know Scal stuck around when the roster turned turned over, and he still wasn't much of a productive player. So even in 08 and 09, I mean, his biggest moments came you know in garbage time and in you know his his sort of notorious post game press conference in the that was fun. I think it was, Right. So it was fun. Right. So, but that, but the, even when the team was stacked and Scout could be that role player that Ainge envisioned him, he wasn't. So, you know, I think the point of the, the moral of the story is this was a horrible signing by Ainge. Um, and it was just this, the team this year, you're right. I mean, when you look at that mix of players, I mean, it really was about seeing what Al could be, seeing what Gerald Green could be. You know, hoping Marcus Banks could become a player, Tony Allen's emergence, right? So there was, that's what it was about. It, it was, it was more about that than, than trying to get anything out of guys like LaFrance or Zerbiak or Ricky Davis, right? Right. And, and the whole, the whole thing with bringing Scal in, I, I remember having some of these discussions like, well, they didn't sign him to be a main guy. And yet here he is. He's there we started to look at him as like, well, why can't he do more? Because it was pretty obvious at the time. And now, so Scal over the course of time. Now, remember we're starting with this 2005, 2006 season. Eventually 
people realize like Scal's not great as, as far as NBA player goes. Uh, once he settled into a role as a victory cigar, like <laughs> he made this, he made this like metamorphosis where it was, wow, we're paying this guy too much money to, wow, it doesn't matter that we're paying this guy this, uh, uh whatever amount right. of money he's making because the team is good. And now he's just at the end of the bench and it doesn't, uh, who cares who, what he makes? Uh, once he, once he became the victory cigar, then the, the fans started to, kind of uh embrace him but he also didn't embrace that very very much at first like he didn't like that role he didn't it took scal embracing that moment embracing that role to get to where we are today with brian scalabrine more on scal and the birth of redsarmy.com in just a second a few of you reached out to me to tell me how much you love the built bars that you've bought you may want to be buying them again. I just placed an order on Monday. I took advantage of that free uh, Built Boost energy drink. I'm getting myself a bag of that because that stuff's good too. But I got five bucks off each box and I restocked myself. And so you can do that too if you have already bought them. Five bucks off each box of Built Bars. They're the most delicious protein bars on the market. Covered in 100% chocolate. They taste like a candy bar. There are all sorts of flavors, fruity flavors, chocolatey flavors, whatever you want. If you have a nut allergy, there are nut-free options. They're gluten-free. If you have a a gluten sensitivity, there's something for everybody. Go and check the label. I guarantee you, you're going to like what you see. You're going to go find all the protein that you want, 15 to 20 grams of protein, calories all right underneath 200 calories per bar, None of the extra sugar, none of the extra carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, get yourself a box, and you'll see what I'm talking about. If you don't want to do that yet, go to BuiltBar.com and check out the labels. Check out the competition. They've got the competitors' labels up there. That's how confident they are. What site puts the competition's labels on their site so you can compare it yourself? Go to BuiltBar.com. Promo code is LOCKEDON. All this week, you're getting 5 bucks off each box you buy, and with the promo code locked on, you get $10 off your first order. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. He now is fairly beloved, I'd say, uh, among Celtics fans. Like, he's just scowled. People love him. And I think he does a good job on the broadcast. 
None of, not even him being on the broadcast, none of that stuff happens without him just embracing the moment and leaning into like, hey, this is what it is. And I'm just going to, I'm set for life. And I've just got to embrace the fact that my, my NBA career probably, you know, went four <coughs> years longer than it, it probably could have or should have because of all of this. So. That's the little Brian Scalabrini bit. It's, it's, I think it's just interesting to note because at the beginning that he was, he was boob. Remember they call him veal? Like it was like instead of veal scalapini, <laughs> they call him veal scalabrini. I, I do recall that, that was, that was his Nets nickname, but he dropped that. I think he probably begged people to drop it when he got here. Well, he came up with, he came up with the white mamba as like mm. the, the joke, like, well, if Kobe's the black mamba, I'm the white mamba. And it was just so tongue in cheek that people were like, ha, ah, yes, I love it. And, and it stuck. Like he made that stick, but Veal was his, his, his nickname for a while. I, and I know he didn't like that. I know he hated that. So what else, John, happened on August 2nd, 2005? Oh, funny that you should ask. The <laughs> Boston Celtics participated in the biggest trade in nba history five players i'm mean, five teams 13 players here's the rundown miami heat got antoine walker from the celtics jason williams james posey andre emmett from the memphis grizzlies and the draft rights to some guy that we've never heard of uh eddie jones went to memphis rasul, rasul butler went to new orleans uh let's see draft picks who cares quintel woods went to boston I don't remember Quintel Woods. He didn't play, did he? Oh, let me finish this up. The Jazz got Greg Ostertag. Uh, Boston got Curtis Borchardt, who I mentioned before. And Raul Lopez from Memphis. And uh, New Orleans got Kirk Snyder from Utah. Chuck, you want to uh, read that back to me? <laughs> I'm trying to absorb. Um, what did Boston get in return aside from Borchardt? Um, <laughs> not too much. No, not too much. They got, let's see, let me see. Uh, they got Borchardt, Quintel Woods, and the, the draft 2008 rights. second round pick. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's just really, I, I don't, yeah, I, it's so hard to follow exactly. I don't remember the Celtics got much. Like, I think the Celtics just participated to get Antoine Walker out again. So if you remember, <laughs> the Celtics <clears throat> traded Antoine Walker, reacquired him, and now have traded him a second time after he came in and wore, uh, wore number 88 for a little while. And, and this was a great – this turned out to be a good move for Antoine, right? Because he goes to Miami. He gets a title. He contributes. He contributes to that Heat team. That's that's the that's the Dwayne Wade Shaq championship team, right? In Miami, yeah, 2006. Yes. Am I, am I, yeah. So yeah, yeah, so yeah. And, and he and he and he he played a, a pretty good role on that team. So it um it, it worked out for him. You know, I'm not sure if he had any visions of sticking around in Boston the second time, but I think from Antoine's perspective, he 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 was he was happy because he I mean he knew what was going on in Boston. Yeah, and I ever recall I recall that he had like a pretty good attitude about it. Cause he knew that he was just passing through this time. And from what I remember of, of those interviews back then, he just kind of like, yeah, man, whatever. Like this is, it's just fun to be back and, and whatever. So, but yeah, it worked out. It did work out well for him. 
aside from him losing all of his money. <laughs> right, right. Which, to his credit, now he has taken full responsibility for it. He's explained how easily that happens. You know, we, we can look at Antoine making uh, whatever he made over the course of his career, whatever, $100 million. That number is $100 million. But as I always say, and, and this is not to, like, make people cry for millionaires, but $100 million, by the time you take the taxes and everybody's cut out of it, it's really like 50-something million dollars. And then Antoine, you know, lived a lavish lifestyle, so he blew a lot of it and supported a lot of people that he probably shouldn't have. So he, he, he blew all of it. The good thing about that is then he becomes a cautionary tale and he has worked with the NBA. I think he might still work with the NBA to kind of caution the, these rookies and say, Hey, by the way, this money that you think you're getting is not really what you're getting. Here's where it all goes. And here's how it goes quickly to try and teach these guys to at least be somewhat judicious with their spending. Yeah. Yeah. And I give him credit for that because it's not, it's, it's, it's very humbling and he could, he could want to just kind of curl up and hide and not be seen from, but he's um like you said, he's a sort of uh, embraced that part of it. Um, so that, that's good to see. So, th- so this, this is another one of those seasons where it seems like the off season or the, you know, the, the trade deadline moves overshadow, you know, the on the court product, right? There it's, is- yeah, right. Because of what what Ainge is trying to build, we're all, we're, we're we were all focused on, you know, how he's shaping the roster. Um, and like I said before, it was about seeing some of the younger players, hoping that they'll develop quickly before Paul Pierce is old and gray, and and can't be the number one option on this team anymore. In basketball terms, Antoine got out of town just at the right time. Not only did he go on to win a title in Miami, the Celtics faded back, only won 33, lost 49, didn't make the playoffs. And only Pierce really stood out. He uh, averaged 26.8, shooting 47%. And besides him, he had uh, Ricky Davis, who averaged almost 20, and Wally Zerbiak, who averaged 17. So Pierce was carrying the load. This is going to be the story for this season and the season after. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA Network of Podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. The Wally Zerbiak trade happened in 2006. There's one more major event in 2005 that happened. Um, I don't know if either of you can guess what happened on December 4th, 2005. No, I have to look it up. Um, December 4th, 2005. Now I'm drawing a blank. No, drawing a blank. Totally drawing a blank. Um, 
December 4th, 2005 is the birth of RedsArmy.com. Oh. <laughs> How can I forget? <laughs> Huge. This tells you how stupid we are. <laughs> we started a blog before one of the most forgettable seasons in Celtics history. We came in in 2005. We're like, yeah, let's talk about a team no one gives a shit about. Uh, we, we registered this site December 4th, 2005, uh, after, uh, conceptualizing it in the overnight news shift at WBZ in Boston, uh, during which we obviously very much concentrated on producing high quality newscasts from five to 7 a.m. every morning. Chuck, hey. I can't believe that you didn't remember that. <laughs> it's all fun, I believe it. You know, I mean, now that I'm this big time blogger, like I, it's hard to remember things. It's hard. It's hard to remember <laughs> all the little details. Uh, I'm just trying to think of a what. What was it? What fueled it? Was it arrogance to think that we people would want to hear our our um, witty witty commentary? <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I, all I remember is reading Boston Dirt Dogs, which is yeah. it was for people who don't know the basically. The, uh, a Red Sox blog. It became the Boston.com Red Sox blog, but it was this funny, irreverent blog that looked at the Red Sox. It was just like photoshops and just a fun, super fun way. Like we read that religiously, I recall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just remember saying that, like, just talking to you and saying, like, we should do this for the Celtics. Like, early RedsArmy.com was just basically mimicking Boston dirt dogs with like, I was heavy on the photoshops. I photoshopped everything. Um, and we just, <laughs> we just goofed around. Like it, we weren't doing like serious pieces. Like now on, on reds army, you, you can have like a, a serious piece. You can have like real kind of like writing that, that kind of looks more traditional, but for the first few years, it was just nothing but photoshops and just goofy stuff and just a place where fans could just goof around. Yeah, you know, it was pre it was pre Twitter, so you had to go to blogs to get to get takes and yep. and and stuff like that the and it was uh, sections were crazy. Like a yeah. lot of comments. We like we had to moderate comments and we had a separate discussion board like it was like getting getting nuts like I I was getting tired of moderating comments. Yeah, it was it was it was different. It was um you know <laughs> I just remember thinking as we launched it and the team was awful and you know just trying try <laughs> we did. I mean if we're gonna walk down the Reds Army memory yeah, lane <laughs> as well. I remember printing out, you know, uh creating uh, uh game um what um like uh what am I think programs like these fold over game programs and yes. listed stats and Took we actually slept to the garden and handed them out. Yes. We did. I mean, we were working the pavement. Talk about we did. We we <laughs> went out there and out. check us out. We won a game, free game program, Reds Army Duck. And you know, we really <laughs> Wow. Courtesy of the WBZ double sided copier. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Has, has the statute of limitations run out on abusing 
office equipment for personal products. I don't know. Oh man. <laughs> I just remember I printed out like a hundred of those things. Um, but yeah, that's right. We went and stood out by the garden, uh, at an entrance that no longer exists. Uh, that, yeah, we were ha- handing that stuff out. Uh, I mean, we said and did so much stupid stuff. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure part of it delayed my actual Celtics writing career by years, uh, by people who may have held grudges. But anyway, <laughs> that's, so that's the birth of RedsArmy.com in 2005. Uh, but, uh, now we are now starting to write about a team that's, pretty bad like i said the season is pretty forgettable uh the the 2005 nba draft was gerald green ryan gomes and orion green uh now those ryan gomes and gerald green are uh, essential players moving forward in eventually being traded away so that's that's that makes um that's an important thing to mention and then the next thing to mention is the uh, 2006 trade where the Celtics traded Marcus Banks, Mark, Mark Blunt, Ricky Davis, Justin Reed, and a, a second round pick, uh, and a couple of picks for Dwayne Jones, Michael Olowokandi, Wally Zerbiak, and a first round pick. So the Celtics. There was a lot of. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say the Celtics have acquired Wally Zerbiak and former number one overall pick Michael Olawakandi. Yeah, there were a lot of uh, bad contracts and bad people going out of town then. Mark Blunt, your favorite. My favorite guy. Shame to see Ricky him go. Davis. Ricky Davis, Tommy Heinsohn's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the play where Ricky tried to do the between the legs dunk? Yes. And he blew it? Just and then he got his own Twitter. rebound and put it in anyway. Tommy wanted to take his head off. I that was hilarious. That. Someone tweeted that. Oh, Jay King tweeted yeah. that out. Yeah. Yeah. Really that was a classic. On a breakaway against the Lakers. had I mean, no one. It was a steal. Like someone threw a cross-court court pass, and he just stole it. So it was one of those things where no one's momentum is going the Celtics basket way. Like, And Ricky's just... By the time he gets over half court, it's like half the, half the Lakers haven't even reacted yet. So he's got all the time in the world to throw down his, his dunk. By the way, down, uh, eight to start the second half. Yeah. <laughs> and he tries to do like an East Bay funk between the legs dunk and he misses. And yes, the beauty of it is that he is able to go back and get his rebound before anybody comes down from the Lakers. And then on top of it, he throws down a windmill dunk. Like he doesn't just lay it in. He just doesn't just go up and dunk it. Like oh, I just let me just put this in and move on. He does another like highlight dunk on top of it. So Ricky Davis. Someone sent me a, a pair of Ricky Davis shoes once, and they said get buckets on the side. Like that's Ricky Davis. So not sad to see him leave. No, coming in. Coming in. We had Michael Oluwa Candy, who was. One of the worst first picks of all time. You got us. You just have to admit that. I mean, oh, yeah. There, there are a few really bad first draft picks. Um, Kwame Brown, Anthony Bennett come to mind. Michael Olowokandi got picked by the Clippers, right? Yeah, that was that was appropriate because he didn't turn out to be anything good. 
nothing good. That was the Paul Pierce Dirk Nowitzki draft. Yes. Right. They were drafted the same year, so those teams have passed them up, but took Michael Olua Candy. <laughs> this is why they're the Clippers. Chuck, what are you this say? is. This was just one of those sideways trades, though. I mean, we're, we're moving out Blount and Davis, but Zerbiak was on a big contract, and I'm not sure what Oluwakande was making, but I think, um, you know, and to see Banks be shipped out, who was just a first-round pick, I don't know, two years prior, um, again, there was a lot of names, um, and it looks like the Celtics ended up with a first-round pick, so there was this, you know, piece to it. Um, but I just remember thinking at the time, this wasn't any sort of, there wasn't any sort of, um, optimism around a move like this. I mean, yes, we were happy to see a couple guys go, but, um, you know, we had some, some, uh, some garbage coming in and some overpriced players coming in too. So when you just look at it in the course of the season, you're like, okay, it's another sort of, you know, Ainge can't do anything. You know, he's making these yeah. big moves, but it's, there's, and I'll, I'm going to say this, um, uh oh. But <laughs> there's a lot of patino. Oh yeah. To some of Ainge's earlier moves, when he was trying to sort through this roster, there's just like these sideways moves. Where, granted, he wouldn't draft a player in June and trade him by September, but you know, Ainge's drafting guys, and then within a year he's moving them out. Now, sure, Marcus Banks didn't turn out to be anything, so trading him was the right move. But so much shuffling going on that I think at the time you're on, you're wondering. What the hell? Where? What's the master plan here? You know what is Ainge trying to do? Yeah, there there was a uh, lot of that going on back then, Mike. He at least um, in this particular trade, he at least got two pieces that he later used in the Garnett deal, while he's Zerbiak and the 2009 first round pick, and right. so that was part of his collecting assets approach. Um, and at least in this instance, you could see some tangible results out of that. The first-round pick went to Minnesota later, as we said, and they took Johnny Flynn. They passed oh, up baby. the chance to take St- Stephen Curry with that yeah. pick. <laughs> oops. Uh, oops. Uh, yeah. Johnny Flynn, another Syracuse flameout. I mean, really, it's really only like a couple of – Good players that came out of Syracuse, but I'll leave that alone. Um, yes. So the, the asset collection thing, like Danny Ainge was at the time, we didn't realize it, but I think like, yeah, he was doing like this guy's a little bit better than that guy. So it, it was Patino esque on the surface because it looked the same. Like it's like, how many moves is this guy going to make? And here's another yeah. guy that's like, Okay, you signed this guy, now you traded him. You signed this guy, now you trade him. Draft this guy, now you trade him. Like, what the hell is going on? We just keep getting worse. It's not getting any better. Like, what are you doing? And after the progression that we've seen, it's hard for Celtics fans to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. Now, conversely, compare that to after they they traded away Pierce and Garnett. And all of the moves that he made again. Think about all of the moves that he made again. We'll talk about that when we get to that that era. But every single trade, I think we were fine with because we're like we we know what Danny's doing now. He's just he's flipping. He's he's 
he's collecting assets, he's flipping them, and he's he's slowly building towards something. But this time around, same game plan, but we didn't realize at the point at that point. We were just like, what's Doc doing? What's Danny doing? Are we gonna have to start over again? What the hell's happening here? Like, well, it, yeah, because it, it wasn't as clear cut because we already had Pierce here, right? So, I mean, there were some pieces in 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 place. Obviously, Pierce, and then they had Al at this point. So we figure he he's he's one piece, and there were some first round picks in there, right? Um, Tony Allen. This season we're talking about was his first season. Um, so th- there were pieces there. I guess we, I, I guess I re- recall as we were like um, building around Paul, maybe adding some young pieces, trying to find that sort of um, that 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 beta to Pierce's alpha. You know what I mean? And right. you know we knew it wasn't going to be Ricky Davis. So then he's gone. Can Wally be that guy? Um, but. The collection, I guess, and timing always matters into this, right? You know, Al is like a high school player. So, um, but I just remember being a fan thinking, okay, we got Pierce. We just need a really good second player. We have some young players falsely thinking that maybe we put these guys together in a couple years. We'll have something. But, um, but so I didn't really always think of it as merely asset collection. Because we had Pierce, we had our A, you know, we had our one, our top guy. So, um, and 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 that's and I think that's what's what's much what's much different than what happened ten years later when it was when you were clearly stripping everything bare. Um, you still had Pierce, and the clock was ticking on him, right? He's twenty nine this season, so I, I don't know. That that's how I viewed it. Um, my other fans may have may have looked at it differently, but. I was still hoping that they could add through the draft um, and maybe a trade or two and become better. But as we know, the following season, they don't become better. They become worse. Really entering this season, I've said this before, we're not sure what Danny Ainge is doing. We're not sure where Danny Ainge is going with this. And this season and next season, 05, 06, 06, 07, become two really trying seasons. And one of the reasons why we're so focused on what happened before the season is because during the season, nothing of note happens. That season is just a wash and we let it go. But the moves that are being made are leading to something. We didn't know it at the time. We have the benefit of hindsight. So, but at that moment, we're like, what, what's Danny doing? Are we going to get a, a, a team here? We're going to get a contender. What are we, what are we getting out of this? So we're going to continue that tomorrow and get into another bit of the downtimes before we get into the discussion of the championship. Let me tell you, let you in on how this podcast is recorded and all of that. I get Mike and Chuck together and we just recorded for three hours on Monday night. We just talked for three hours progressing and I chop it up. And give it to you in little half hour chunks so you can get little podcasts. But I want to have the continuity of that discussion. But in three hours, we went through 2005, 2006, 2006, 2007, and then that championship season. Three hours to get through these three seasons. So there's a lot to get through. So subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. We're getting in depth. You don't want to miss this. You're going to get these delivered directly to your device 
If you subscribe, follow on Spotify. If that's how you want to listen, go ahead and listen however you want. We're everywhere podcasts exist. If you have subscribed or followed on Spotify, a five-star rating would be amazing. A good written review would be especially amazing. That helps beyond, you don't even know. I say it, it helps a lot, but it really, really does help a lot. So please do that and share the podcast. Tell your friends that they should be listening as well. Go to BuiltBar.com and get the best tasting protein bar on the market with $10 off your first order with the promo code Locked On. All this week, you're getting five bucks automatically off every box of protein bars you buy. So if you bought them before, now you can just go back and stock back up for five bucks off each box. If you haven't, buy a few boxes, get that value, five bucks off each box, $10 off your first order with the promo code locked on. Now go tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Rejecting the Screen. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.